right before I dropped in for my last final run, I kind of set that little quiet and like peaceful prayer out and just instantly felt this peace come through my whole body and kind of ground me. And I was listening to my music, feeling good. (laughs) And I dropped in and it was like the matrix, like everything just slowly connected. And it was like one of my most perfect runs I've ever had. And Welcome to The Workplace, the podcast where we try to make the places we work, places we love to work. I'm Andrew Scarcella. Every episode, we'll be talking with a different expert about what makes great workplace cultures tick. A Navy fighter pilot, an HR analyst, a fashion icon, who knows? Will they have all the answers? Nope. But with each one, we'll get a little closer to figuring out what we can do to build workplace cultures where people are happy, healthy, and inspired to do the best work of their lives. This episode, we'll be talking with professional snowboarder Jamie Anderson about how to manage stress and keep your mental well-being strong, even when you're competing for Olympic gold. With her gold in Pyeongchang, Jamie Anderson solidified her reputation as one of the best female snowboarders in the world. Known for her style and fearlessness, Jamie has been at the top of her sport since her near-flawless run won her gold at the very first women's slope style at the 2014 Sochi Games. But she's not just a phenom, she's also a philanthropist and an environmentalist. The Jamie Anderson Foundation has been inspiring and supporting the next generation of environmentalists slash athletes since 2013. Something we're going to need a lot more of, given the dire predictions about the effects climate change will have on snow sports over the next few decades. Jamie was interviewed by Anna Bentz, a writer, producer, and what the heck are you eating, Anna? Peanut butter M&M's. Why don't you ever share with me? Oh, do you want one? (laughs) No, I'm not going to take your last peanut butter M&M. That's kind of you. So, what was it like meeting a two-time gold medal winning Olympian? That must have been awesome. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. Meeting Jamie Anderson was a real trip. She's such an accomplished athlete, but her perspective on success, stress, and her overall spirituality is not at all what you'd expect from an Olympian. She's amazingly laid back for someone who won back-to-back gold medals. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In fact, when we sat down for this podcast, she was telling me how in the off-season, instead of hitting the gym all the time like you'd expect, she mainly relied on yoga and going on hikes and long walks as her main way of training. She's definitely the chillest Olympian I've ever seen. Oh, 100%. Well, I'm excited to hear what you two got to talk about. Let's listen to it. So, Jamie Anderson, Olympic gold medal snowboarder, um, why don't you go ahead and just kind of tell us um, a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, goodness, I guess I have a lot to share. I am an Olympic snowboarder, but also just a kind of cool, fun, free spirit. I grew up in the mountains of Lake Tahoe. I'm one of eight kids, so I definitely had a pretty unique childhood. I have uh, (laughs) a Five awesome sisters and two brothers, and we had a lot of freedom as kids. My mom and dad were really free-spirited. They loved nature. They loved being outside. My mom actually got her degree to be a teacher but realized she wanted her kids to be outside playing and doing schoolwork in the evenings and mornings. So we had a lot of freedom to play outside, and all of us loved sports and just being athletic. So when I was young, like eight, nine, we started uh, gymnastics. Our homeschool paid for certain um, art class and gymnastics and whatnot. And through gymnastics, I fell in love with flipping and sports and kind of all that air awareness that you learn. 
And shortly after that, I got introduced to snowboarding through a family friend who had a daughter around my age. And she actually gave my sisters and I all of our hand-me-downs, which made it possible to go because obviously snowboarding is such a luxury sport. Um, So yeah, that was the first introduction to snowboarding at nine. And it kind of like took over my world. I realized how much I loved it and how much freedom it gave me and just being in the mountains all bundled up, listening to music, exploring. It really is such a fun sport. What would you say was the defining moment um, that made you realize, okay, snowboarding is what I love. This is what I'm going to do. I think the moment I really realized I loved snowboarding was probably about 12. It was like three years into my snowboard career. And I just, I progressed really fast. I was learning tricks. I was competing in local events, and I really loved the nerves, the energy, everything that the competitive snowboarding um, industry brought. So at that point, I remember I looked up to Tara Dakitas and Travis Rice and some other athletes, and I just remember thinking, I want to be a pro snowboarder. Like, all I want to do is travel and snowboard and like do this because it's so fun. And at the time I had no idea you could even be in the Olympics for snowboarding. So that wasn't even really on my horizon. It was just kind of on the back burner. And as I got older and started doing well in a lot of slope style events, which at the time wasn't in the Olympics, um, I had some coaches influence me to try to qualify for the halfpipe Olympic team in Vancouver 2010. And I remember being like, half into it. Like I wasn't very passionate about pipe, but I was pretty good. And that year I literally fell at every single Olympic qualifier. Oh my gosh. And it was really discouraging and really difficult. And after that, I realized, whatever, I'm just going to ride park. I love park. I'll do the X Games and all the other events. I love POW. I just want to focus on what I really love to do. And I started really progressing slope style and winning every event. And then a year or two later, they announced that they're going to add slope style to the next event, which was such a blessing in disguise because I had kind of let go of that Olympic dream. And although it was kind of sad, I felt like everything's all good. Like I trust life. I trust the universe. And then that whole Sochi experience <laughs> came up. And <laughs> yeah. And for me, gosh, going into that event, I had an enormous amount of pressure I just remember like everyone and their mom is like, bring home the gold, bring home the gold. And as nice as it is to have all that support and people that care, it is really, really stressful. And at that time, I was practicing a lot of yoga and meditation and trying not to even use the word stressed, but deep down, like I was pretty overwhelmed. I got alopecia on my head and lost a lot of hair. And I'm like, oh shit, like maybe I really am stressed (laughs) more than I realized. And kind of just learned to process all of that. And, you know, I knew I was going to go out there and do my best. And it ended up being a really, really powerful experience. I fell on my first run. I was having a terrible day, the finals day. I couldn't land anything in practice tried to clear it, dropped in for my first run, landed everything perfect, and then fell on the last jump. So I was just like, I can't even explain the amount of stress I felt and pressure. And like, I never felt so nervous in my life and getting bumped to last place and then waiting to drop in for my last run that was kind of all or nothing. I remember sending a prayer out in a little 
dedication to do this run for everyone who helped make this possible because I know I wouldn't be where I am today without my family and friends and sponsors and the strong team I have around me. So right before I dropped in for my last final run, I kind of set that little quiet and like peaceful prayer out and just instantly felt this peace come through my whole body and kind of ground me. And I was listening to my music, feeling good. <laughs> and I dropped in and it was like the matrix, like everything just slowly connected. And it was like one of my most perfect runs I've ever had. And when I landed at the bottom, I pretty much could have cried of happiness because there's just so many obstacles to getting to that exact place. And I had no idea if I'd won. I didn't really even care at that point. I was just so happy and relieved I was able to do what I went there to do. And yeah, then sure enough, it ended up holding for the rest of the event <laughs> and like the amount of joy and love and just everything that came from that was unbelievable. My family was there, all my sponsors, all my team, and it was just a really, really amazing moment. What are kind of the values or the things you live by that help you overcome obstacles or, you know, I know you don't want to say this word, but the stress. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, and just yeah. whenever you're out there. I think for me, I grew up in a really humble family, and we went to church, and then we stopped going to church when my family broke up, but we still practiced um, spirituality and praying and having gratitude and just kind of like a lot of those good things that you do learn in a lot of different religions. And we continued to practice that. And then in my late teens, I actually had a really bad accident, ruptured my spleen and spent 10 days in ICU, like definitely was pretty close to dying. And I remember after that, it really like awoken me. And I felt like I just wanted to take better care of myself. I wanted to like never take a moment for granted. I wanted to follow my dreams. I wanted to inspire other people to do their best and also like lift people up along the way and not be all about me, 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 or me number one, because that was kind of engraved to me at a young age. And I, I know there's so many talented girls out there that I always give, I'm like, I'm not the best. Just sometimes I'm good at competing. Um, but yeah, I think that just you know, all of us deal with things in life and it's not always easy. And I think we are given tools that we can either practice or not. And I'm super lucky my mom was really into mental happiness and health and truly valuing our health as like the most wealth you could ever have. And it was really important to me to eat whole food and take care of my body and like surround myself with positive people. And, you know, there were times that I wasn't always hanging out with good crowds. So trying to remind myself that we are who we surround ourselves with. So just kind of being more mindful. Learned a lot about Chinese medicine after that, practiced a lot more yoga and meditation and really tried to tap into my power and like believe in this affirmations and manifestations and these things that, you know, they can be discouraging because sometimes you really like wish or dream something big and, you know, it doesn't always work out, but you still kind of have to keep your head up and keep uh, focused to keep going. I love the spirituality and the way you live, especially in sort of, you know, athlete culture. Going off of that, would you say that your spirituality and living to those affirmations, are those your superpowers? I don't think there's one recipe to success or to happiness, but I think that for me, like I want to live a fulfilled life. I want to be happy. I want to be able to give back and spread the love. And those are kind of like 
the backbones of just trying to feel good. And kind of like what we mentioned earlier, when you see someone struggle, it kind of hurts you. And same with when you see someone do an act of kindness, it also like rises your vibration and makes you feel happier. So I find like the more love we can send out, I think it really does circulate. And I believe that like, yeah, those things are superpowers. Having a powerful mind, having the ability to change how you feel with your thoughts. I think that's all like 100% accurate. And my sister told me when I was young, like anything you want to do is 90% mental. Like you can do it. You just have to believe. And it like really stuck with me forever because it's hard to set big goals and to do things that you might fail. But, you know, we might as well. One life to live. We got to live it up. 100%. So back to your family. How did they, how do you think your family kind of helped get you where you are. I know you kind of touched on that. Yeah, I think my family is freaking magnificent. <laughs> I love my siblings. I feel like my sisters are my best friends. And um, we just really had a really strong team. And we always looked out for each other, which was important as you're young and kind of in a competitive sport um, to know that you can really trust someone and that they're going to be there for you and that you're there for them is huge. And I'm right in the middle of my family. So I have three older sisters and one older brother and then two younger sisters and a younger brother. Oh, full house. So I definitely like got to kind of look up to my elders and then also kind of influence my younger siblings, which was a really fun place to be. And naturally in a big family, I think it brings out your competitive side just because you're playing all day with everyone. But yeah, they definitely were my supporters and even going into the Olympics and surpassing some of the things that they did because they retired earlier or didn't really love it so much. It was, there were times that were a struggle, but for the most part, I feel like my family definitely helped every part of my career, even just staying grounded and humble and never taking anything for granted, I think is really important. All my siblings snowboard, my brothers ski and all my sisters shred. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and we'll like, we got to get out in Mammoth last year for one of the Olympic events and all the family was riding together. It was really fun. What would you be if you weren't an athlete? If I wasn't a snowboarder, I always wanted to be an architect and I know I'm a little behind in my schooling, Hey, <laughs> but I, <laughs> love, to try. I love homes. I love designing. I think it'd be super fun to design homes and maybe fix houses up and resell them. I also would love to do more with uh, my charity. I have a foundation out of Tahoe that's dedicated to helping get kids into sports and living a healthy, active lifestyle. And I think like one way to happiness is service to others. And my mom's a really good example of like, she has an alpaca farm with 12 animals and she still does cool. meals on wheels like twice a week to help give back to the elders. And I really admire that. And I want to be able to do more in my life to give back because I feel so blessed. Oh my gosh, an alpaca farm. That sounds so fun. <laughs> She's pretty awesome. Yeah, cool. So what's next for you? What's next for me? Oh, Gosh, yeah. that's what I'm asking that myself. Next week no. <laughs> or next year? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, I, I've been competing for 10 years now, and it's been pretty nonstop. This next winter, I want to continue competing in a lot of the big events, but I want to take a step into the more filming direction and riding backcountry and just progressing my own riding. As you know, when you're competing all the time, you don't really have a lot of time to 
learn tricks and go ride different terrain. So I want to take this season and not do quite as many events and work on a film project and showcase the different side of snowboarding. Yeah, very cool. Did you? So do you want to produce that film yourself? Do you want to... I will definitely, I'll be like part producer, but I'm going to need someone else to help. I will co-produce for sure. I kind of have the vision and what I want, but I definitely think we need a strong team around us to build something great. So I think I'll be partnering with uh, Snowboarder Mag. Oh, cool. And they'll be the production um, leaders of it. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have so much going on. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. Good chats. Now it's time for Tangible Takeaways, where we break down big ideas into bite-sized pieces you can take with you and implement in your workplace culture. The first is that stress isn't the secret to success. When we think of top performers, we often imagine people fueled by stress, competition, pressure. But Jamie Anderson is living proof that success at the very highest levels can coexist with mental well-being. Jamie is fueled by mindfulness, peace, and happiness. And she's got two gold medals hanging in her house. Probably in her closet, next to the socks like it's no big deal. The second is that mental well-being isn't a goal. It's a practice. Just like physical well-being, it's more about consistency than maximum effort. If you want to run a marathon, you don't start out running half marathons. You jog around the block and you work your way up. Same with mental well-being. Start with a few minutes of quiet time once a week and build it into a habit. The goal isn't to be a mindfulness guru, just be the best you can every day. The third is that I walk by Olympic gold medals every day. No, they're not hanging in my closet like Jamie Anderson's. They're on display at the OC Tanner headquarters. Fun fact, OC Tanner isn't just a global recognition and culture company. It's also a world-class manufacturer that minted every single one of the 2002 Olympic medals. True story. They also design and make the Olympic team rings for Team USA every year. Well, every two years. Just another way we help people thrive at work. Even if that work happens to be, say, training for the decathlon. That's it for this episode of The Workplace. If you liked it, or even if you didn't, please rate, review, and subscribe to The Workplace on Stitcher. It really helps us grow and get to know you better. The Workplace is sponsored by O.C. Tanner, the global leader in engaging workplace cultures. OC Tanner's Culture Cloud provides a single, modular suite where all employee experience apps are in sync, giving teams the integrated tools they need when, where, and how they need them. If you want your organization to become a place where people can't wait to come to work in the morning, go to octanner.com.